Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. This morning, that in your life, that you are, um, I hope that you're encouraged uh, in your life. I, I hope that whether things are going well for you or not, I mean, we're in a broken world, right? And in a broken world, um, we're just not in heaven yet. So things are probably going to be broken, but they can still be good in the midst of the broken. But I hope that, that in your world, that things are going well um, and that you are making progress. But if that's not the case, I just want you to know that there is hope. And the simple reality is, is that God has called each one of us here to be on a growing journey. We should never be staying the same. It's not always going to be easy, and the future will never be like the past. But, but if we will read God's Word, God will ignite growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth, um, you know, relational growth in our lives. And I, I want to challenge you, read the Word of God. Read it. Uh, Satan will do everything in the world he can to, to keep you out of the Word of God. Um, he'll say dumb stuff like, well, you're not going to understand everything. Well, since you're not the omnipotent God of the universe, you're probably not going to understand everything. But I love what Mark Twain said. He said, it's not the things that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the things I do. I promise you that if you'll read the Word of God and just pray a simple prayer like this before you read it, God, speak to me. That your heavenly Father will speak into your life and, and He will ignite growth and there will be change. This is the reason why we're going through the book of Matthew. is because we want to read the Word of God and get into the stories of Jesus and, and to hear the, 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 the heart and the will of God for our lives as we see it lived in the life of Jesus. And the life Jesus lived, we want to live as well. In Matthew 9, 18 through 34... There's several stories, and, and this is just a life in the day of. And in this life in the day of Jesus, we see the power of touch in amazing ways. This is, this is the story of the touch of God. And the reality is that your story has so touched the heart of God, your brokenness, your pain, your life story so touched the heart of God that He left heaven and sent Jesus into your world. So Jesus didn't just simply come at one point in the past. Jesus lives. And God has sent Him into your world here and now. And deep down, at some level, if that means anything to you, you're going to reach back. It's like someone who offers a handshake to you. You know, this is a universal sign that when somebody offers a handshake, Panoi, if I do this to you, what are you supposed to do back? Reach back. Reach back. That's exactly it. And every one of us today needs to see the hand of God, the touch of God extended towards us. And to realize all we have to do is reach back. Today, I just want to say that it's time for us to kind of adopt a new attitude towards our faith, towards our Savior, and towards life as the body of Christ. We've been way too passive. 
we, as the church in America, we're way too religious. And, and, and honestly, I just want to say that, that it's time that we, we come into the presence of Jesus and just come alive. You can't stay dead in the presence of God. Nothing stays dead in the presence of Jesus. So today I, I want to, to give you something to do with what you're going to hear. And what I want you to do is I want you to, 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 to not keep your distance. To do something in your spiritual life. To, to reach out to Jesus for life. To overcome passivity. To, to break out of the, the ruts and the stuck that you may be in. And to, to simply have the faith to let the touch of God be on your life and change it. I don't know why we keep our distance from God, but we do. I know I do at times. But keeping your distance from God is probably kind of like not taking a shower because you want to get cleaned up first, you know? Or, or saying, you know, I really smell too bad to, to take a bath right now. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll take a bath later when I'm a little more cleaned up. What? But we do that with God. I mean, you know, so I, I'm not good enough to, to, to come into the presence of God. Well, duh. Well done, genius, to recognize that, you know, so... So don't let that stop you. We keep our distance from God in so many ways for so many wrong reasons, for so many lesser reasons. One of the reasons we keep our distance from God is ignorance. We, we simply don't see Jesus anywhere in our world. And, you know, how can I move towards somebody that I don't know is there? I don't see them. So, so we just don't know the story of love that, that has, has invaded life. And and that's one of the reasons why we want to go on the road and live Jesus is we want to help other people see and hear Jesus in their life. Another reason we keep our distance from God is arrogance. We see Jesus in our life or we see the story of Jesus, but we just see no need as well. I mean, you know, it's I got this, I'm okay. And, and for some of us in our arrogance, our, our religious relationship with Jesus is kind of like with the fire department, you know. If I need you, I'll call you, but if you show up before then, it's kind of an embarrassment with the neighbors, you know, because um, they'll all be looking at me like different what's going on, and, and really, I don't want that. So Jesus, keep your distance. I'm good. I got this, and I, I really don't need you. Well, you know, again, that's kind of like the guy leaping from the Empire State Building saying, I can fly. Yeah, for a moment, you know, but it's not going to end well, <laughs> you know. The truth is that small snapshot of I'm okay right now is not sustainable. Another reason we keep our distance is hopelessness. We see the story of Jesus, we've heard the story of Jesus, but the truth is that we think we're just too broken for Him, too far gone for Him to ever come in and change our lives. If you're here feeling that today, I just want to say, please, please, please don't believe that lie from hell. How far is too far gone? I mean, you're alive. How far did God go from heaven? How, how many years has it been that Jesus has, has been, you know, reaching into your life? I'm just telling you that, that it's impossible to be too far gone. You just have to be willing to believe that you're lovable. To be willing to believe that you're lovable, maybe not by your own goodness or, or you know, in fact, only because God is so astonishingly good that he chooses to love beyond, 
beyond what we deserve, beyond, beyond anything. We're not faking him out. He knows. And he loves anyway. You know, when we fear God in a, in a negative way, uh, it's another reason we, we keep our distance. We, we just don't think he's good. And, and if God comes into my life, it's just going to be, you know, he's just going to take away stuff I want and, and the things that, you know, I just don't think he's good. You know, some of you say, like, jokingly, have anybody ever heard, like, well, if I give my life to God, he's going to send me to Africa? Anybody ever heard somebody say this, something like that? Let me just tell you, when I went to Africa, I wanted to stay. I'm serious. I would, I would have loved to have been privileged to have been called to be with some of the brothers and sisters there. Um, experience more community and connection in, um, in, in life in a village in two weeks than, than I have in some churches for years. God's will is good. There's nothing to fear. There's no reason to stay away from love. And, and, there's, and there's so many of us here who, who are just stuck in some bad and dark places. And today I want to tell you some stories from Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 9, verses 18 through 34 that, that are stories of the touch of God that I think can change our lives and lead us from bad, broken places to, to forever changed, hopeful places. So, if you've got your Bibles, please open them up to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read verses 18 through 34. Um, we're kind of doing a survey. Our, our, our light and tech team always does an amazing, super job. But uh, you got enough light to read your Bible, everybody? All right, now if you're using an electronic Bible, I, I do want to say, like if your neighbor flips out their Bible, um, um, you know, today, like if there's Candy Crush on there, you can just nudge them. And just tell them you version, okay? That's a good app or whatever. But, uh, but, but pull out your Bible one way or the other and let's, let's read the story, uh, the stories of the touch of God from Matthew 9, 18 through 34. Jesus has just finished uh, being questioned about religion and fasting and he just made a statement that, that what he came to bring to the world is not religion and it won't fit in the old paradigms. It won't fit into uh, churchianity. Uh, it's new wine for new wineskins. And then he no longer finishes speaking when a ruler comes up to him and, and says, you know, uh, my daughter just died. He's kneeling down, broken before Jesus. Who can imagine the loss of a child? You know, I mean, your world just collapsed. And he, and he says, but if you will come and put your hand on her, where did that come from? Faith. Faith. He imagined the touch of God, that, that there was so much life in Jesus that, that life would change death back to life. And so he comes to Jesus and says, if you'll just touch her, this is a picture of the power of the touch of, of God. She will live. And Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. You may not have lost a child. Some of you have. But there are times when most of us will come to a place where we've lost everything that matters to us. And the question is, what now? What, where's life now? What I, what I built my life towards, what I had hoped for is gone. Where is my life now? And what will I do? You see, life's all about interpretation. It is. It's about interpretation. Because you can interpret everything in great ways or crazy ways. I mean, you just can. 
And, and I mean, Marsha and I have been married uh, in July, be 36 years, and we're still learning how to interpret each other. You'd think we'd got this down by now. It took me a few years to learn that Marsha, in her family, emotion was not communicated. You did not talk about emotions. Any of y'all been in families like that? Wait a minute, if your family is still here, don't say it, you know. <laughs> but if anybody seriously come from families like that, you know, you don't talk about stuff, no emotions. Well, in her family, emotions were conveyed through tone. And so, I mean, you got to go from overt to covert and implicit real big time. And so, it took me years. I'm slow. I'm stupid slow. It took me years to learn that the tone of my voice said everything. I'm a man. I'm just saying stuff, you know, just the facts. And, and if I'm saying it like in a hurry, it means it's important. And, and oh my gosh, I, you know, and, and either be mushroom clouds over our relationship. And I'm going, what's the matter here? I just said, it wasn't what I said. It was how. Guys, interpretation is everything. When Jesus raised Lazarus, um, you know, half the crowd there said, this is amazing. Something new has come to life. The other half of the crowd said, we've got to kill this guy. We've got to keep things the old way. And we look at Jesus and we can interpret this positively or negatively. We can look at our lives and interpret it positively or negatively. We can, we can look at setbacks and, 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 uh, and failures positively. How we interpret stuff changes everything. And how you interpret your life when everything that matters to you has been lost and, and you're asking this question, where is life now? I've lost my job. Where is my life now? Let me just encourage you to reach out for the touch of Jesus. To interpret this as an amazing opportunity to see God work in your life. So, so here's what I want you to, to do. I, I don't want you to keep your distance. Don't stay with the, the, the loss. Don't stay with the brokenness and the sadness and, and don't quit on God. You know, do something. Reach out to Jesus for life. And, and so, she, you know, the, this, this girl is dead and, and, and the, the, the dad is devastated and Jesus says yes to the reach. The scripture tells us that, that as he's on his way there, um, in verse 20, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of her, his cloak. Touch. Stories of the touch of God, a God who touches still today. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak. One man imagines, if only Jesus touches my daughter. This woman imagines, if only I touch his cloak. How creative. You know, there is no pattern to the love of God. There is no limits to say that God works on this program, and that's how we do this. So how crazy dumb is it that we in church narrow the, 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 you know, the limitless life of God to, to these few little outlets and expressions? God is limitless. He, he redeems in creative ways. We know that, that Jesus is in a crowd from one of the other Gospels, and and in one of the other Gospels, Jesus says, you know, in addition to how it's recorded here, you know, who, who touched me? And everybody's going, any of y'all ride the subway? What's that like during rush hour, you know? You ever had one of those times where the trains are short and you're getting on and like you don't even think you can get on? Well, that doesn't stop some people. They're coming in. They were a lineman in, you know, football. And so they're getting on the train like they, you know, like the ball's just been snapped. Bam, they're coming. And people are bumping in. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? Who had the faith in this faithless world 
to believe that things don't have to stay the same and broken? Who had the faith to dare to believe that I'm the God who redeems broken, not the God who caused it? Who has the faith to believe that hopeless doesn't have to be home? This woman touches his garment, touches his coat. And the, the heart of Jesus is so sensitive to the power of, of touch that he turns and he says, woman, your faith has healed you. What do you do when nothing's working? 12 years, 12 years this woman has been trying to, to be healed. And when nothing's working, what's next? Jesus. And reaching out to touch in an authentic and real world and faithful way, Jesus. And her world changes. Jesus goes on from there, leaves the healed woman behind. And entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players in verse 23 and the noisy crowd. Why so much noise? Um, well, in Eastern cultures, there's a different way that grief is, is done. And often the deeper the loss, the louder, you know, things are. In fact, not only that, you could hire professional people to mourn, to kind of emphasize you know, in tight little places that you're living, that this was really a devastating loss. You hire musicians, you know, you hire people who, who will cry out and sing songs, and, and you can imagine the noise and, the, and the, the chaos around. Jesus pushes through the crowd. He's got his disciples with him, and, and I want you to, again, understand what he's doing. He's going towards someone, not who's dying, but someone who is dead I don't know if you've ever held somebody's hand while they're dying um, I have some of you have in battlefield situations it's a sacred thing it's a holy thing to hold somebody's hand while they're dying to just to be there and to look in their eyes and to pray with them and to to love and to feel a hand grow cold and to hold it still is, it'll change your life. This little girl's hand was ice cold. There was no hope in the world for her. No hope in the world. Most people would have just accepted death wins. There's nothing to do. It's over. Not Jesus. Because of the ruler's faith, pushes his way through the crowd and he tells them, go away, get out of here. It's kind of offensive in itself. And then Jesus says this, the girl isn't dead. She's asleep. Everything's interpretation. And then the crowd did to Jesus what you and I have done, whether it's overtly or covertly, time and time again. I've done this on a hundred occasions. They laughed at him. See, what do you do when, when Jesus isn't real enough for the real world? You know, have you ever heard that? People say, well, this is the real world. I live in the real world. 
you know? Some of you in the, in the, in the military, I, I've talked to, to some of you men and women, and, and I realize that, that the U.S. military is not necessarily a Christ-centered organization, right? We all get that, right? Some of the other large government uh, agencies around us, um, they have a mission that is, that is different. And, and I've heard um, guys in certain situations you know, and, and, and their faith is here, but it is so small and it's so weak. And, and, and here's reality, whether reality is Afghanistan or here's reality or, or whether reality is my, you know, the, my, my, my assignment right here. And, and reality is big and Jesus is not so much. And, and reality is harsh and strong and Jesus is like kind of weak and embarrassing. And, and, and that's crazy. What do you do when, when Jesus isn't real enough for the real world? Well, you turn things right side up because that's crazy talk. She's not dead. Jesus said she's asleep. And they laughed at him because they said there's no way that can be true. You are, are not, you're, you're, you're delusional. You're deceived. There's no way that, that what you're thinking and, and imagining is more real than what we have seen. The girl is dead. Each one of us has to decide in our own life whether, whether we're going to believe that Jesus is the Lord of life and, and the creator of the universe and, and the one who's going to bring all this crazy we've experienced on broken earth together in a redemptive way. Do we believe that? Is he Lord over all? And if we believe that, then he is reality and what he says is reality and, and much of what we're living and believing, you know, is it's what's delusional. It's the lie. There is no hope. Uh, I, I can't turn around. I, I can't start over. There, there's no way God can, can heal this. All that is a lie. It's less real than, than Jesus. Jesus walks into this room. He's, he's pushed everybody out. They, you can hear the laughter echoing uh, down the halls as Jesus enters into this room. And then he touches her hand tell you, every time I'm, I'm with a sick child, I'm just like, I, I have to work to keep it together, you know? Uh, you know, I'm with a child, you know, getting an IV, and I'm about to pass out, you know? <laughs> I was asked to hold down a child that they were taking a little piece of metal out of their eye, and they asked me to hold down the child. I'm going, you have no clue. You know, I am not, there are nurses, aren't there, who are paid to do this? Get me out of here, this, you know? And the little child is crying, and it's like, oh my goodness. Jesus walks in and he sees death. And he answers it with a touch. The touch of Jesus changes everything. It is the defining reality of life. Nothing you're facing in your life right now is stronger than the touch of Jesus. There's no death in, in a marriage, there's no death in a relationship, there's no, there's no sin from the past, there is nothing that the redeeming touch of Jesus can't change. I don't know how this worked. I don't know when Jesus touched her hand, if, I mean, like, physically, the, did, did, did the cells begin to regenerate, like, up her arm, did, did, did she begin to come warm and and, and, and the life of Jesus flow into her until it reached her heart and her heart started beating. And, and what was it like to be there and to see her lungs that were 
that were useless began to breathe life in the air of earth again? I don't know. But she lived. And the message of that story is a story that you and I are supposed to interpret in our lives, that nothing's impossible with God. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. No matter how hard your life is or what you're longing for and can't get, if you will go to Jesus, if you won't keep your distance, Jesus promises to satisfy. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. No matter how hard life gets, how dark it appears, how hopeless the horizon is, if you and I will not keep our distance, if we'll do something, and preferably something not religious, preferably something, you know, not dead churchy, but if we'll do something of faith and be creative and reach out to Jesus for life, we will have light. These stories are not ancient stories. They're present tense stories. God cares so much about your story that He gave you these stories to live. He gave you these stories to apply to your life and to, 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 to make real in, in the present. News spread as Jesus took the girl by the hand and she got up. And, and all throughout the region, people began to just, you know, just to, to wonder what was going on. And then Jesus, who isn't a program, um, he, he, he never does anything the same way twice. Jesus isn't a big teddy bear. My, my Jesus, the one I would create, is, is kind of this teddy bear guy. He's always really nice, you know, and, and, um, and he's always kind of predictable. And, and my Jesus, he's always saying, you know, kind, easy things. That's my Jesus. The real Jesus, on the other hand, has been confounding me since I first met him, <laughs> you know? And the reason I need to follow him and keep my eyes on him is because I can't predict his next move. I don't know where he's going in my life. It's good. So here's Jesus. He's walking on from there. He's on the road. He never stays, you know, uh, in one place away from broken people. He, he invests his life out in the world, redeeming a broken world recreating a community that, that will be celebrated forever in heaven. He, he's on the road, and, and two blind men followed him. Now, I want you to think very carefully and very literally through this story. Two blind men are following him, and they're calling out loudly, have mercy on us, son of David. They're not going, Jesus, Psst, Jesus, I'm blind. They're crying out. Now, so, so do, you, do you understand, kind of get the sense of what's going on? My Jesus would have walked by and gone, oh, you poor blind man, you know. Let me touch you on the head and heal you, you know. Jesus walks by these guys. And they're crying out. And Jesus immediately turns to them, right? This means yes. This means no. What does Jesus do? You can talk. Go ahead. Well, but before that, what does Jesus do? They're crying out to him. He keeps walking. He keeps walking. How long? I don't know. The story does not say. Enough to probably have made, if I was there as a disciple, a little bit uncomfortable. Hey, you're not being very Jesus-ly back here, you know. <laughs> Got these blind guys and, you know, hey, Jesus, psst, there's human need behind you. Jesus keeps walking. And the story gets even, to me, funnier because Jesus, <laughs> he keeps walking. And then, and then he goes inside of a house. He left them out in the street, you know. 
I'm, oops, Jesus, that doesn't appear very Messiah-ish. Could you, you know, let's, uh, let's, Jesus, you know, PR, this is not, people, somebody's going to tweet, Jesus just walked right by some blind guys. <laughs> he then left him in the street. <laughs> you know what? What's up with that? The, the blind men came to him, and that means they followed him indoors. And, uh, and then Jesus turns to him. Well, you see, the, the reality of this story is, um, you know, I, I've tried trusting and nothing's changed. I tried calling out to Jesus, hey, hey, son of David, have mercy on me, and nothing changed. And, and, I, and I really did. I followed it down the street. I, I tried this and I tried that and, and, and nothing happened, nothing changed. I kept crying. I kept calling out and, and God didn't do anything. So I guess God doesn't love me. Wrong interpretation. God wants to see if you're going to keep your distance. These guys wouldn't. Jesus let this story unfold to teach us something about how we're supposed to live and go after him. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't interpret the, the journey as example, uh, as, uh, you know, as, as proof of indifference. It's, it's not. Jesus is teaching us something about ourselves. Do we, what do we really want? Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then we see the story of the touch of God one more time. And this one makes me uncomfortable. You know, Jesus touched their eyes. He didn't say eyelids. You know, I don't know, but I, you know, <laughs> Jesus touches their eyes. Can you imagine? The touch of Jesus is so powerful that, that in that moment, their eyes were restored and redeemed. They could see for the first time as the Creator intended. The glory of the sunrise, glory of the sunset. To be able to see the faces of the people who've loved them all of their lives for the first time, to be able to see a smile. Maybe they had kids to be able to see their children for the first time, all at the touch of Jesus. Some of you may be saying, I've tried trusting God in the past and it hasn't worked. Don't keep your distance. You do something of faith. You, you go hard after Jesus. And if you'll reach out to him for life, you'll find it. The next story uh, along this way is, is that, um, you know, Jesus says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. We're going to come back to that. And, and, and then he said, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. And while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and couldn't talk was brought to Jesus. When the demon was driven out, the man who'd been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever happened in all of Israel. This is new. Everything can change, we see. I think the question here is, what do I do with broken people in my life? Guys, some of the broken people in our lives, I mean, that's a great question. Some of them we, we, we just get angry with. Some of them we keep our distance from. We, we wall off. Some of them we fight with. And, but Jesus said, what I want you to do with the broken people in your life is lead them to me. Help them find me. Help them see me. Help 
them interpret my heart. You give your life walking with these other broken people. And even if it's awkward and, and embarrassing, even if they're really, really difficult, you walk with them and lead them into my presence. And when they're with me, I will heal them. The last group of people just simply said, Jesus is a false hope. The Pharisees looked at all that Jesus had done, all the touch that had taken place that day and said, oh, this is demonic. This is evil. <laughs> Jesus is a false hope. Interpretation is everything. Guys, in the name of Jesus, I'm just telling you, um, you know, it's time to make a move. It really is. You've been given a free will. Uh, you've been given a life. Uh, you're not beat down. Uh, you're not uh, given up on by God. Your story is not hopeless. Uh, this isn't the end. It's just time to make a move. Your story has so moved God that, that he sent Jesus into your story this week today to see if you'd be willing to receive his touch. Guys, refuse to make peace with passive. Some of us here are so passive and we're waiting for God to do something. God has already done something. He lived, he died on the cross, he rose again on the third day, and since the moment you do, drew breath on planet earth, he's been reaching out towards you. You respond to what he's done. Stuck is a choice. You don't have to stay stuck in your sadness. You don't have to stay stuck in your own version of hell. You know, God doesn't need you to creatively offer a new version of, of this is my life as, as an interpretation of hell. No. Don't stay stuck. Stuck is a choice. You have been offered the touch of Jesus. And, and right now, today, the hand of God is reaching out towards you. And, and yes, we're going to live in a broken world until the new world comes. Yes, life is going to be a challenge and it's going to be hard. But it doesn't have to be hopeless. It can be joyful, purposeful. It can be, it can be full of growth and love. It can be full of, of relationship and, and life. Most of all, it can be full of Jesus the creator of the universe, and, and all that he is can be ours and, and change our reality. Or you can stay stuck and addicted. Or you can try just a little more pornography. Another woman, another man. Hey, how about some more stuff? That'll do it. Just spend yourself a little deeper into debt. Then you'll be happy. Oh, wait, the bill comes. Don't stay stuck. Take the initiative of faith to respond to what God has already done and, and do something creatively today towards God, towards God. Guys, so many of us, we, we've gotten into such a passive mode that we don't even know how to seek God anymore. And, and I just want to tell you that you've got to use your imagination. Each one of these people in the story imagined a different way that God that Jesus could touch them or they could touch Jesus. And that's what you need to do today. You need to use the, the image of God that he's given you, the imagination, and, and you need to creatively, creatively seek God. Get out of the rut and routine of religion. And go hard after Jesus. Go hard after Jesus until his touch changes everything in your life. And I promise you today that Jesus is here that his arms are outreached and that his touch is freely given to bring life.
Will you let Jesus touch your life? Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.